Welcome to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones podcast with Rock Valley Physical Therapy. When you're looking for solutions to pain, we are here to help. Whether success for you means lifting a grandchild, getting back to work, or simply walking up the stairs without pain, Rock Valley Physical Therapy is here to help with compassionate, expert clinicians whose goal is to make care as fun and easy as possible. Each episode, we will spend time learning from healthcare providers and patients in hopes of offering solutions to your own aches and pains. Welcome back to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones podcast. This is your host, Sam Huey, coming to you from the Greg Monson Studios in Waukee, Iowa, where it is a balmy 79 degrees today. We uh, went from 45 degrees last week to uh, low to mid 90s this week. So spring got skipped and we're straight into uh, summer right now. So that leads us perfectly into the topic today with this nice weather. Everybody's wanting to get out and ride their bikes and work in the yard and, uh, you know, go out for runs and do all those outdoor activities that us in the Midwest have, have not gotten much chance to do lately. So, uh, I've got a friend and colleague with me here today. Um, Anna Perry is going to talk to us a little bit about preparing for a long multi-day bike ride. So Anna, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. Yeah. Glad you're here. Um, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe kind of why you're the expert in this topic? Absolutely. Um, I'm a physical therapist. I've been with Rock Valley uh, for the last 16 years. Um, and uh, as I uh, kind of transitioned out of being able to run really fast, I um, met a young man who liked to bike a lot. Um, and he became my husband and that is now our primary hobby. And we've got two littles, they're three and six and they bike along with us. But, uh, I started, uh, biking and feeling the normal discomforts. And I was really frustrated about what is out there to really help us be more comfortable on a bike. Um, because I felt like there wasn't a lot of like research-based science-based, um, uh, information that was available. So then I decided to try to be that information to try to get more educated and use my knowledge as a physical therapist and my expertise in understanding the musculoskeletal system um, and then how that applies to certain special populations. So I can be a resource one for myself because I want to be more comfortable on the bike. Um, and then also for the communities that we serve. So through, um, through my own um, experience and then also education. Uh, I've learned to uh, be a lot more comfortable on the bike and, and then also get a lot more people comfortable and rolling with me. Literally rolling. Good one. Um, <clears throat> yes. Uh, you can't see her, but she just did the, the drum hi-hat thing. Um, so a rim shot that it's, that's what it's called. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's as physical therapists, I think that's the best way to get into a certain patient population, right? It's something you you enjoy yourself. You're passionate about it. You can talk the talk and you can walk the walk in the clinic with them and help them out. Right. Um, what would you say are kind of some of the more common issues you see, you know, as far as, you know, back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, what are the most common things you're seeing with the average biker? So the most common complaints, uh, that people have when they're riding a bike would be hand pain, neck pain, back pain, um, and then um, bottom pain, <laughs> like a little lower down. Um, and they're, they're pretty universal. They're usually, and that's outside of the people who crash. Like this is your normal, like vanilla sort of activity uh, on a bicycle. Um, and those 
generally don't come from like only one thing, um, but usually they are the um, result of um, the bike not being great in setup for the cyclist and the cyclist really not being great in preparation for the bike. Um, so when one of the, when both of them don't necessarily match each other, then, um, then that's when you end up uh, with problems. So kind of the central tenant is that the bike is adjustable and the body is adaptable. And so you can't just change the bike fit and expect it to be like perfect. Um, and sometimes you can get as fit and as flexible as you need to be, but if the bike doesn't fit you, that's not going to be uh, very comfortable either. So it's usually getting the bike ready for the cyclist and getting the cyclist ready for the bike. Yeah. I tried to ride my eight-year-old's bike the other day and it just didn't work. So, so what you're saying is I probably need a, a bike that fits me better. You might, we might need to talk, Sam. Okay. And it, if, if you're on it, what's he riding? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Good question. Um, I can vouch for Anne on this. She is extremely knowledgeable. Uh, she helped me with the patient last week and, uh, you know, just even over the phone, kind of describing the situation, Anna was really helpful with that. So if you're within a, a decent radius of, well, I guess even if you're willing to do telehealth, Anna's a great resource. So you can certainly look her up if you have cycling questions. Um, but our main topic today, so tell us a little bit about, um, many states or maybe all states have some type of ride that goes across their state, a bike ride, multi-day. Iowa's is called RAGBRAI. Um, I think it started in 1973. So just about 50 years ago. Um, so maybe what's your experience with these personally, first of all? So, um, I mean, I grew up in central Iowa and RAGBRAI uh, was something that was central to the middle of, it was the quintessential summer activity uh, in central Iowa. Um, and it's a seven day trip across uh, the state of Iowa. And uh, people ask me all the time, have you done RAGBRAI? Um, and I've done a few days of it. I've never done the whole thing, um, mostly because if I'm going to take a week off of work, like I'm usually going to travel somewhere. So my husband and I have done multi-day um, trips across states. Uh, like we did the Natchez Trace and, and we've ridden our bike across the Katy Trail in Missouri. Um, but we've never actually ridden across our own home state with RAGBRAI. Um, but there's some really unique things about um, those long multi-day bike tours um, that you got to think about to get into preparation. That's just a little bit different than your normal riding. Um, and I wanted to be able to talk to it that it applied to everybody because almost every state has a bike ride across it, right? Um, and so I know that we have listeners from all over the United States and I wanted to make it applicable to them too. But kind of the heart of this started with like, everyone's talking about RAGBRAI. Um, and, and so it's kind of a timely time to start to discuss that. So um, yeah, the riding across the state uh, or riding across in a multi-day tour, um, just have some kind of special preparations that you want to think about. And I wanted to share some um, things to do to get ready for that kind of tour. Perfect. So Anna took some time and put together her <clears throat> top 10 items to consider when getting ready for a ride across the state, a la David Letterman, maybe not quite as funny, but uh, so Anna, if you want, do you want to start at 10 or one? And are these in any specific order? So I am going to start, I'll just start at the top. So we'll just, uh, I'll start at, it's, yeah, we'll start at the top and maybe they won't even be numbered, but okay. we'll go David Letterman style. Um, 
but uh, uh, and they are in order of kind of like the process of getting ready. Okay. All, All right. right. So maybe you can keep track of a number for me, Sam. <laughs> so, I, I will do that. Number one. All right. So this is a no brainer, but start early. If you start two to four months before your actual event um, and build slowly. So a lot of mistakes happen in training errors. A lot of pain comes out of training errors. Um, and so just, just do, do the preparation two to four months, build slowly. You want to be writing about three to four days a week um, and include consecutive days on that, not the every other day, uh, because you're going to be writing consecutive days usually. So you want your bodies to be able to adapt to that um, quick recovery necessary to hop on. And, and quite honestly, parts of our body uh, need to build up um, maybe some body armor. Uh, and it does that from um, just repeated uh, pressure on those on those sit bones. So start early. So that's similar to like how you build a callus on your foot when you're running or playing basketball or something, right? It's you have to toughen that area up to tolerate this, right? Yes, and you can have fanciest saddle ever. You still just need to spend time on it. It, it you just to so. All right, um, no, number two. All right. So I want you to think about, so you're only riding three to four days a week, uh, but you need to cross train on your non-ride ride days. Uh, you're going to cross train with strengthening, stretching, and other forms of cardio. So you could run, uh, you can do the elliptical, um, but often check out uh, training guides on the rides website. So for RAGBRAI, uh, Dave Bertle is the official coach and he's put together some um, for Ragbright, uh, he's put together for some uh, training programs to get you ready. So if you feel like you need specific guidance on how much, how often, um, if you're somebody who needs a program to follow, usually that uh, ride has somebody who has already built a training guide for you. Um, and you want to make sure that you're going to be riding for time versus just the miles. Um, so uh, like I said, make use of some of those uh Somebody else has probably done the hard work for you. So make use of those training programs that are already built in. All right. Excellent. How about number three? Get a reliable bike and get it tuned up by a professional. Um, so the, your eight-year-old's bike is not a great option for a multi-day cross-state tour. Um, so bikes come in different frame sizes. Um, and you don't want to have, um, you don't have a too small or too big bike, uh, and you don't want to necessarily be uh, changing that later. Uh, you want to do most of your miles on the bike that you're going to be riding. Um, so make sure that you have good tires that are reliable. You don't want those blowing out when you're going down a fast hill. You want to make sure that your wheels are true. Um, so you're not wobbling. That'll lead to poor wear and mechanical problems. Make sure that your bike shifts correctly and smoothly because a shift, uh, a misshift in the middle of a hill can be very, very frustrating. Um, and if it constantly misshifts, it can kind of encourage you to pedal at a force that you're not really comfortable with and that can be hard on your knees. So just make sure that you start really early and getting your bike ready. Um, and I'll tell you, bike mechanics are usually pretty bored in February or March, and then they get really, really busy as soon as the first hot day is. So if you're going to be training for a ride, I know that that is already out of the gate this year, um, but just a uh, heads up that uh, February and March are really good times to take your bike into the bike shop. So get started on a good bike and make it uh, work well for you from the get-go. Yeah, that's that's great advice on the shifter too. Um, 
I've got, I'm not a huge cyclist, but when I, when I pull a burly and go up a hill and I miss shift, that is like the worst thing in the world, right? <laughs> Get up this dang hill. <laughs> um, yep. All right. On to number four. So kind of getting a reliable bike, make sure that that bike also fits you well. All right. The place that everyone always starts is asking Dr. Google, how do I set up my bike? That's uh, not a bad option, but there's lots of opinions out there and it's not always um, going to be the most comfortable fit for you, especially a lot of the guys that are out there for the fastest and most aerodynamic um, fit. And it's not necessarily taking into account that you're a recreational cyclist that are going to be riding 80 to 90 miles a day, carrying some bags uh, or some gear on you. So Dr. Google is a place to start, but I suggest talking to a professional. Um, most bike shops will have somebody trained in bike fit and they're really good resources to start with. Um, but however, for complicated situations, you might want to seek a physical therapist that specializes in bike fit. So, I mean, full disclosure, I'm hundred percent biased that I think physical therapists are very well, um, geared to, uh, tackle these problems of bike fit issues because of our strong understanding of the, uh, of the human body and, and where we borrow uh, from some places to gain motion and power in other places and, and can really kind of tune in um, that bike fit for you uh, and how you are performing at this time. I'd like to add a quick plug for direct access onto that. So direct access, remember to those listeners out there is the ability to go straight to a physical therapist without a referral from a physician. So that would be another opportunity to find a local physical therapist that is knowledgeable about this and go straight to them and save yourself a, a trip, you know, to the urgent care or the primary care or wherever for some hip pain that you may be having when you're cycling or something. So Sam, on that, like the, the people doing the bike fits in the bike shop, their strength is, and what I depend on too with them is they know what sort of things are out there as far as link link, leg link discrepancy kits, um, kind of some different kinds of um, stems that are available or seat attenuation devices. Uh, so they really know their gear and they're such an integral part of keeping people happy and comfortable on a bike. So I partner with the bike shops uh, and I make use of their knowledge on more of the bike side of things. Um, but for patients with musculoskeletal issues themselves, I feel like um, kind of that duo or that partnership is really going to get you more comfortable uh, in the quickest uh, time. Yeah, I would think their knowledge of gear and your knowledge of the human body would be pretty, pretty hard to beat. Uh, number five. Um, work on your bike skills, like pedaling at a higher cadence and smooth pedaling. Um, so these two are really, really big um, mistakes, especially uh, for newer cyclists. A lot of people will want to hop on the bike and really put it to a high gear and mash it out and, and push really hard so they can get all the exercise they possibly can in the 30 minutes that they have. But it leads to some um, forces on the knee uh, that are less than um, advantageous. So uh, it'll lead to your knees hurting. So I want you to probably practice on spinning at a higher cadence. And that means however many times that pedal goes through a full revolution per minute. So average is going to be for people recreational cycling, maybe 65 to 75. Um, but what we really want to try to work up to, to make it nicer on your knees is at least 90. And that takes practice. It's a skill. 
just like you would need to work on your free throw shot. If you want to be more comfortable and more energy efficient and really not get beat up on a multi-day tour, you're going to want to really increase that cadence to at least about 90. And that means going up a hill at 90 RPMs. And then pedaling skills, meaning we all have a strong leg and a weak leg. And if that strong leg is always driving the pedal stroke, it's going to wear out and be more fatigued. And you're not going to necessarily make it very comfortably throughout that whole um, tour. So you want to do some pedaling drills where you're practicing getting your weak leg doing its fair share. Uh, so you're not necessarily wearing down one leg or the other. And this doesn't start the week of like, but this is something you can do in those. I like to do it when it's colder and my bike's still on a trainer because I'm not going to fall down. <laughs> um, but they, there's some, there's something to kind of pay attention to when you're doing your bore, boring training um, in your basement, maybe during the colder months here in Iowa. Yeah, and maybe you can enjoy the scenery when you're outdoors, right? If you've done all that hard work in the off season. Absolutely. All right, great. I think we are on number six. Uh, so ride in the elements. Avoid the desire to skip a bike ride just because it's blank. It's hot. It's windy. It's raining. Um, any of those. So your multi-day tour is not likely to be perfectly sunny uh, and perfect weather the whole time. So it is important to be training in the elements that you possibly could be riding in. Um, and you'll want to know. So if it's raining, you want to know how that bike handles. So you're not going down a hill uh, and you find out that your tires are not well suited for rain. Um, you want to know it's the coat, my raincoat that I had, it, it really stinks when I'm riding. So you're going to want to upgrade to something that's less of a wind sail uh, or breathes better. So Ride in the elements that you could possibly experience, even if you really don't feel like it, but it really gets your body prepared. It helps you understand your equipment and then it kind of helps you um, decide if you need different equipment um, for, for those conditions. Great. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, number seven. So if you're a beginner to cycling or never done uh, a road trip, um, or a multi-day tour like this, join a club. Um, they have training rides, usually like organized training rides of groups of people. Um, and you can make use of their experience. So you'll learn like some of their good training loops that they like. They'll probably take you through different types of topography. So if you're training on your own, you might be tempted just to head out your front door and just do the same loop that you always do. Um, and that's not really going to get you prepared for the kind of topography you might see uh, on one of these trips. Um, the other thing that like when you're in a group like that, um, that they also have like little tricks of the trade, like how to dry your shoes out the fastest when after a rainy day. Um, and uh, what are some of the best ice cream shops to stop at on your tour? Um, so if you're new to it, join a club. Like I said, there's going to be there's usually like set up rides. Uh, to train for these um, locally. So uh, um, just glean from their experience. And then it's also nice to just be able to ride in a group. You don't get lost. Um, and, and the camaraderie keeps you motivated uh, and accountable as well. Yeah, so multiple levels of benefit to riding with a group, it sounds like. Number eight. So if you're going, so RAGBRAI, uh, you have a couple ways that you can do RAGBRAI and uh, others are like this too, but consider using um, a bike charter if you don't want to carry your own gear. 
Um, so these are companies that will, they have let different levels of assistance. They'll carry your bags for you. Some of them will set up your tent for you. Some of them provide showers for you. Um, so it's a little a la carte, depends on the company. Um, but if it's, if you're especially first timers, um, consider signing up with a charter. They often also have a pre- ride um, training groups, um, or they might have some conferences that let you know and give you some of the helpful tips that we've talked about before. Um, but they are really a value add um, and it's get to meet a great group and have a group to kind of meet with um, if, if you're doing this alone for the first time. So those charter companies uh, can, can really be a good value uh, to help you through your first one, learn the ropes. And then if you do it again in subsequent years, uh, you'll, you'll kind of have a good experience and know what's going on. But if you don't, uh, it's a really good place to start. Yeah. And I can imagine if your first experience is not great, what are the chances you're going to want to do it again? So make the first one good and then take it where you want from there. Right. Absolutely. But get started, uh, get started off. Right. And I think it, especially for people who aren't used to doing that sort of cycling, it's just, it's a really nice service to have. So you don't have to do the not fun stuff you get to focus on the fun. Yeah, for sure. We are down to two left, number nine. So this is for the other. If you are self-supported, and self-supported means that you're carrying your own gear on your bike, um, make sure that you're doing your training rides, accounting for that extra weight on your bike. Um, so you're not, uh, so you're training with your own body weight. And then for the tour, you've now added about 25 pounds of gear or 30 pounds of gear. Uh, so if you're doing self-supported, make sure that you're training with that same amount of weight on your bike. Um, I'll tell you, it's always easier to carry that weight on your bike through bags called panniers than it is to be pulling a trailer behind you with that gear. Um, so just, just get your body ready. Uh, you could do it the other fun way, which is like gain 30 pounds and learn there and then lose 30 pounds as you're training. But, um, but yeah, just kind of going along with those same veins of train in the way that you're going to be doing the tour, right? So if you're going to be carrying your own tent, your own clothes, your own food stuffs, those sort of things, make sure that you're training um, with that extra weight on your bike as well. Yep. My uh, basketball coach in high school always used to say, practice like you play, right? So if that's how the game is going to be, that's how you got to practice. Absolutely. All right. Last but not least, number 10. This is probably the most important one um, that I emphasize because really, really smart people make this mistake. But do not make big changes to your equipment that you have trained on within a couple of weeks of the ride. So if you've been training on a bike, and you're fairly comfortable on that bike, do not buy a new bike the week before. Like, do not change your saddle to a more expensive saddle the week before. Your body will not like it. We have been setting ourselves up and training, um, like, like practice like you're gonna play, right? So if you make those changes, and even though it's the same bike, it's got the same two wheels, the geometry is gonna be slightly different. The handlebars might be slightly wider, slightly more narrow. Uh, the seat setback might be two centimeters more, but it's going to change the geometry and your muscles have adapted to that bike. So if you change something like that within the last couple of weeks, um, you're, you're not going to be happy with the product. I have lots of people calling me usually like two weeks before their Ironman. 
hey, I'm having this sort of pain. Uh, what can I do with my bike fit to fix that? And I'm like, have, have you been training on this the whole time? Yep. Are you relatively comfortable? Yep. Don't touch it. All right. So don't make big changes to your equipment. That's, that's a new seat um, or a different style of tire. If you want to put new tires of the same width, you know, that's fine. Um, but, but don't be changing those. Don't change handlebars. Don't change shifters. Just stick with what you have because your body has adapted to it. Your body's pretty miraculous. It's adapted to what you've got to use. And if you change that within the last two weeks, your body's not going to have time to adapt to the, to the new uh, setup and you'll be pretty uncomfortable. So I've got green tassels off the handles of my bike. If I change those to blue the week before rag brides, that can be an issue, Anna. You're going to be in so much trouble. So okay. much trouble. All right. If, now, it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> now your tassels, I mean, they're probably going to be back there, I think, Sam. Your t- your, but um, those sort of things, exactly. But the, the equipment changes, where your body interfaces with that bicycle, don't change them. Don't change pedals. Don't change saddles. Don't change stems. Don't change handlebars. Um, just your body has adapted to where you sit on that. Um, and so that's why I want you to start early. Remember back to number one, two to four months. Then you're going to find out what really doesn't feel good and start switching it out then, not right before your event. Yeah, that makes great sense. Well, I think that was a that was a really good list. I think pretty inclusive and probably something for everybody that's gonna consider a run. You know, not a run, sorry, a ride like this. Um, there's probably <laughs> something that everybody learned in there, or something that they need to consider anyway, for sure. <clears throat> so, thank you so much for for coming on. I'd like to have you back another time to talk maybe more specifics about. I know we've talked about like uh, women's cycle fit in in particular, so maybe we can talk about that another time. I always love a chance to talk about bikes. So I, I can tell <laughs> my arm there. Um, it's always enjoyable. Um, one of my passions uh, is, is making other people more comfortable on the, on the bike. So I want more people out there riding. Um, and the Des Moines area right now is really, really good about making the Metro area accessible by bicycle. Um, so uh, it's healthy for, for all of us. And I want to do whatever I can to make people more comfortable out there. Great. Well, thanks for spreading the word today. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. You bet. And thanks for everyone that listened today. Remember to check out our website at rockvalleypt.com as well as our Facebook for more information about Rock Valley and all the services that we offer. We now have over 60 clinics serving Iowa, Illinois, and Nebraska. Our employees live out our tagline every day with the goal of making better lives. 